0: I'm so happy to be with you again on Easter, and I am even happier to be able to wear my Easter best shorts, uh, so I had my best shorts on uh, this morning, so we are we're good to go. According to the website mensxp.com, it's uh, apparently, uh, this. you're going to think this is weird, but it's apparently the uh, number one men's website in India. Uh, Anyway, that's where I looked. Uh, According to them, the number one question your dating app match wants you to ask them is what are you looking for? That seems like a good question to start out a possible relationship, right? And, And that question isn't just important for finding a possible love connection. But it's been asked by prospective employers and gym trainers and salesmen and uh, college enrollment advisors. Your multi-level marketing friend probably has asked you that a couple times. What are you looking for? And even the gun store clerk asked the same question. But, but there are times in our lives when what we're looking for ends up becoming something that we hadn't even considered before. When Andy and I were um, much younger and uh, much poorer, we went to the car lot to purchase um, like our first vehicle as a couple. Do you remember that day? I mean, it was a big day when you're young and uh, dumb and you go to the car lot to, to buy a car. And so we had decided based on um, magazine ads and commercials on TV, because uh, this is gonna blow your mind, we did not own a computer. And our phone was a bag in the car. Uh, So we had seen these ads for this uh, really new car, this new company. It was supposed to be fantastic. It was called the Geo Metro. Remember those? And so uh, we decided this is the car we need. Fantastic gas mileage, small. Man, we can get wherever we're going. And so we go to the car lot. We step on the lot. You know, the salesman comes rushing out, and, and I'm like, you know, I'm the man, this is my opportunity to, to, to prove myself to my, my young wife. And so I'm just like, look, look buddy, I don't want to hear it. We want the Geo Metro, and there's one right over there. That's what we want. And he's just like, okay, man, okay. So we go over there. We're walking around the car. We're like kicking the tires, checking the doors, looking at it, hey, this looks awesome. I'm like, yeah, pop the hood, let me check the engine out. I like, got two and a half cylinders. And uh, looking at the engine, and, and it's, like, it's like, great. You know, I'm like, this is what we want. This is what we're, we're getting. And then the car salesman, he's like, um, he's like, hey, do you want to sit in it? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I could probably do that. Maybe I should do it. just make sure it's comfortable. So I get in the car, and um, lo and behold, with the seat all the way to the back, there is not enough room in the cab of that vehicle for my knees and the steering wheel. <laughs> like literally, I, I could, there's no way we could have got that, and so we left with um, a Chevy uh, Beretta. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes what we're looking for and what we end up with are two completely different things. And sometimes what we end up with is the best thing that ever happened to us. And so I want you to know this morning that that I recognize that God may not be what you're looking for today, but he is what you're longing for. And so our prayer today is that um, you will see him through the music through the message, through your interaction with the people here at, at Real Life. And, and, and then you would see him even if you're here today and you're not really even looking for him. And so let's jump into John chapter 20, verse 11. I'm going to be um, reading out of uh, the contemporary English version, and so that's what will be up here on the stage. Uh, whether you're in person or you're joining us online, you can go to uh, my message notes at reallifecc.us. And you can follow along there. All the scriptures are in there. There's some questions there. Uh, Main points of the message are um, on that site. And if you're joining us at live.reallifecc.us, you can just click on the notes tab at the top right-hand corner of your screen, and all that will pop up there. But for now, John chapter 20, verse 11. Mary Magdalene stood crying outside the tomb. She was still weeping when she stooped down and saw two angels inside. They were dressed in white, they were sitting where Jesus' body had been, one was at the head, and the other was at the foot. Now Mary was crying, and John makes a point to tell us that, and and I think there's some very specific, very real reasons why John tells us that Mary is crying. First of all, Mary and her siblings, Martha and Lazarus, were good friends with Jesus, In fact, if you remember the Bible story where Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead, he'd been dead for four days, and Jesus shows up, he calls to him, he comes out of the tomb, and he is alive. And so that would kind of endear you to somebody, right? I mean, if you lost somebody that you love, and somebody shows up and just brings them back to life, I'm like, you're my new best friend. Because if I fall off my bike and scrape my knee, I'm going to give you a call, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. So they had a very special relationship with Jesus. In fact, anytime Jesus and the disciples were in the town of Bethany, which was Martha and Mary and Lazarus' hometown, he stayed with this family. Besides being a personal friend, Mary was also a follower of Jesus. She believed that he was the promised king of Israel. And so she worshipped him. In fact, again, the story of Mary and Martha. Martha is busy making the preparations for dinner, and she's upset because Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshipping and listening to what he had to say. But Mary had also watched just a few days, a few hours ago, she had watched Jesus be beaten beyond recognition and then hung on a Roman cross. Now, the Romans were experts In death. And so Mary watched Friday afternoon and evening as the Romans killed Jesus and then placed him in the tomb and sealed the entrance. And so that Sunday morning as she got up early, in fact we're told before the dawn even, she gets up and begins to make her way from her house to the tomb and she cried all the way. She has no idea what to do next. But when she arrives at the tomb, she finds that the stone is rolled away, the Roman guards are nowhere to be found, and the seal that had been placed on the tomb to keep anybody from messing with it under penalty of death had been broken. not only that, Jesus' body is gone. And so we read in the scriptures, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we read that Mary had run immediately to tell Peter and John, who had run back to the tomb to check it out, Mary then follows, and she is back at the tomb entrance. She is by herself. She is alone. She is afraid. And that's where John picks up the story, as Mary stood crying outside the tomb. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been a few times over the last 13 months that I have felt a little bit like Mary. Alone. Confused. Confused about what's going on, confused about the, the future, confused about what's going to happen with the church, and wondering where Jesus might be in the midst of all of that. Maybe you've felt the same way too over the last 13 months, unsure of your own future, your family, what the kids are going to do, what's going to happen with your job, but but here's what we understand, and what we've come to learn over the, the last year: that even when life doesn't make sense, it doesn't stop and let you catch your breath breath either. Like you just have to keep going. Life just keeps moving on. The sun comes up every morning, and whether we like it or not, we have to just push ahead. And so John says, Mary continued to cry when she bent over to look inside the tomb, and that's where she sees two angels. Now this is a completely different encounter than any other time in scripture. There are two things that happen every time an angel appears in the Bible. First of all, the person that the angel appears to kneels down on the ground terrified, right? When an angel shows up, like every picture of an angel we've ever heard about in the Bible, they are these massive hulking individuals that just like just terrify the people that they come to talk to. And so the person they've come to see kneels down the ground, oh my goodness, I'm scared, I don't know what's gonna do, I think my life is over. And so the very first thing that the angel says to those people is, do not be afraid. But neither of those things happen, not here. The angel asked Mary this question, why are you crying? And so she answered, they've taken away my Lord's body. And, and, and I think, I don't know about you, but the way I read this is maybe a little different. Like I pay attention to the fact that there's an exclamation mark at the end of that. And I think the angels are um, there and they're asking her this question, what have you, uh, why are you crying? And she's like, hey, they've taken away my Lord's body. And then under her breath, she's like, idiot, Like, don't you know, like, you're angels, you're supposed to know stuff, and here you're talking to me. What I find interesting is that she is not terrified by these two angelic creatures that are probably glowing as they sit on the slab of rock inside the tomb. Like, she's like, hey, I know what's going on. I, I am woman, hear me roar. Like, she is not afraid of these guys at all. The other thing I think of is that, um, look, as a man, I understand that men have a unique way of asking questions women assume we should already know the answer to. And apparently that extends to angels as well. But Mary doesn't have time to argue with the angels here. She doesn't have time to, to mince words. In fact, while she's there crying and looking into the tomb and she sees the two angels, something happens. She hears a noise. She hears something behind her. And immediately she turns around. And, and here's what happens. This, what, right, boom. So as soon as Mary said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but just skip over that really quick, because she did not know who he was. And so Jesus asked her, why are you crying? So Mary looks right at Jesus, and she doesn't recognize him. And we go, like, that seems strange at first. Like, this is the guy you're looking for, right? How could you not know it's him? But we need to not be too hard on on Mary. See, the last time that Mary saw Jesus, he was dead, And even though Mary should understand that death is not final, like her brother was dead too, right? And Jesus called him out of the tomb. But the difference here is that Jesus was the one who was performing that miracle. And now the miracle worker has died. And so how in the world is that going to happen? He was dead. The second thing I was thinking is that, um, look, uh, he had been beaten beyond recognition. The Bible tells us he had been beaten so hard that that you couldn't tell. His face didn't look the same. His body, his skin was... I mean, we can get gross, but just understand that from head to toe, this was not the same guy. And that was Mary's last mental picture of Jesus. Also, instead of a bloody and beaten and disfigured Jesus... When Jesus appears after the resurrection, he appears completely healed, except for the holes in his hands and his side. So as far as she could tell, this was like a completely different person. This was not what she expected at all. But the other thing I think we need to pay attention to in this passage is that anytime something in the Bible is repeated more than once, you need to pay attention to it. Go back. What did it? Okay, wait a minute, I thought I heard this before, and so what's going on? Why is this being repeated? What must God want me to know about this moment? So here Jesus repeats the question of the angels, why are you crying? And, and I think maybe, I don't know, it's just an idea, maybe I've figured out the reason why. See, I think the angels and Jesus really are asking Mary a sincere question. They really are at, why are you crying? I don't think it's meant to get them to stop, to get her to stop crying. I don't think it's about emotional thing at all. I think they're going, why are, what on earth do you have to cry about? Why are you um, crying? Now, look, I'm, I'm, this is a touchy subject, okay? But let me just say, my wife and I had three boys and one girl. Not one single time did any of those three boys walk into the middle of the living room just completely fine and then burst into blood-curdling tears so that a young dad with a daughter who he's supposed to protect gets up from his chair and his television and runs to his daughter and gets down on his knees and goes, Oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? To which she replies, I don't know. Really happened. Um... (laughs) So, I don't think that's what's going on here. Why are you crying? They want to know, what is it that's causing you to to cry? And here's why. Jesus told his followers plainly that he would be killed and that three days later he would come back to life. And so Jesus and the angels are like, why are you crying? You should be happy right now. You should be ecstatic at what is going on. This is an exciting day. This is not a day for tears. And so what we learn is that Jesus' closest friends and followers did not believe, or at least didn't understand, that he had to die. Often, we can't fathom the outcome. When you can't fathom the outcome, you fail to see the obvious, right? When you can't fathom the outcome, when you you can't guess what it's going to be, you miss the obvious. And and so maybe you've heard this kind of thing before, well, I'll never find love. If you can't fathom the outcome, you're going to miss the obvious. And so sometimes the same people who say, I'll never find love are telling the person next to them who loves them. We might say, nothing ever works out for me. I just repeat the same the same process. Just repeat everything. It's never going to get any better. Life is never going to get any better. Jesus was alive, just like he promised, but Mary couldn't see the obvious because even though even though he had raised others from the dead, how could he raise himself? You're dead. This is impossible. I don't understand how this could work. I can't can't fathom the outcome that you could be alive by your own power, and so I'm going to miss the obvious. You know, none of the things that Jesus did or that he said or that he taught make any sense in the real world. Because Jesus' life was about making present on earth... The realities of heaven. We could say it this way. He was making present in his daily life on earth the realities of the kingdom of God. He was living literally by a different set of rules. Jesus even prayed, our Father in heaven, honored and holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. That was Jesus' prayer. And and how are the commands of God carried out in heaven? Immediately and completely. And so that's the way Jesus lived his life. So what we learn from this interaction is, is, look, that God's kingdom is not something that we wait to be a part of when we die. God's kingdom is a kingdom right here and right now. It's present in our lives, and it's present most especially through our lives. And so the beginning of Mark's biography of Jesus' life, he records the very first thing that Jesus said in his ministry. He comes out of the water of baptism with with John, and then he says, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has come. The way Jesus approached life and the things he was able to do, the things he said to his followers and the things he said that his followers would be able to do, you and I would be able to do, they only make sense if we live in the kingdom of God. Let me give you some examples. Here's what um, God says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Does that make any sense in our world? if it's not the kingdom of God. Um, he also says, uh, give out of your need and not your excess. That does not make any sense in all world. We know what happens when we give out of our need. We have less unless we're living according to the kingdom of God. Live according to your purpose, not just your pleasure. Don't just seek pleasure. Again, that doesn't make any sense outside of the kingdom of God. Turn the other cheek and return good for evil. In what part of the world does that make sense unless it's in the kingdom of God? And so this is how Jesus made present the kingdom of God in his life, by living his life in obedience to God. See, the truth is, Jesus didn't want to face The cross, but he did want to follow God's command. And so, when God's command comes face to face with something that he didn't want to do, guess what wins out? God's command. His obedience, even to death, made the kingdom of God present in his life and for everyone else's life, too. And I think that's why he asked this question Why are you crying? See, he understands that if Mary had been living in the kingdom of God, like Jesus and like the angels, she would have been cheering that first Sunday morning instead of crying. And so Jesus asked another question, a simple question, but it forces a profound realization for Mary. He asked her this question, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Now, Jesus isn't really asking Mary what she's lost. He's pointing her to what she longs for. Are you looking for a dead man? Or are you looking for a living king? See, Jesus' question isn't about her sight. It's about her certainty. It's about her her faith, right? Scripture says we're to walk by faith, not by sight. The certainty, the faith, that Jesus is who he said he was, even if it appears that he's died. See, if Jesus died, then he lied, right? If Jesus is, is dead... Then he was a liar because Jesus said he was the son of God. He was the way and the truth and the life and and that he'd come to establish the kingdom of God. But if he's died, it appears that all of that was just a lie. How could any of that be true? So this question from Jesus that seems very simple, who are you looking for, would have caused Mary to to pause or should have caused Mary to, to pause and really process that because what he would be asking is this, Mary, why are you coming to honor the body of a man who lied to you for three and a half years? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? But if Mary believed that Jesus had told the truth, then his question really is, why are you looking for a dead man when you should be welcoming the king? When Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Peter responded this way, you are the Christ, which which means you are the anointed one of God. You are God's king. That's what he was literally saying. When a king dies so does his kingdom. And it's difficult for us to understand because we don't like kings and kingdoms in this country, right? We don't want to be ruled by a monarch who's sovereign and who has control and power over our lives. We want to determine our own way of life and we want to do our own thing. So this kingdom idea is a little fuzzy for us. But when a king dies, his kingdom dies. But if that king dies and then he comes back to life, his kingdom, like him, will never end because he becomes the king over the living as well as the dead. And so Jesus isn't really asking Mary who she's looking for. He's asking her what she believes. But she didn't catch it. She thought, in fact, that he was the gardener, which is kind of silly. I mean, Uh, He did plant a garden in the very beginning, I guess, so that makes sense. Anyway, he asked her this question, Sir, if you have taken his body away, please tell me so I can go and get him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. And she recognizes him and responds, Rabbi or teacher. As soon as Jesus says her name, Mary recognizes his voice. And she responds. Now this is important because it highlights Jesus' function in the kingdom of God. As God's king, Jesus deserves, in fact, Jesus could demand recognition. He's the king and we owe him everything that we have, including our own lives. We've watched enough television to know that the king is sovereign and he makes the rules and everybody else carries them out or they die. That's your only two options. And so Jesus could demand that we give him recognition, that we honor him, and we follow him, and we do what he says. In fact, the apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, he says this, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And I believe one day that's going to happen. Every single person on the planet, those who have died and those who are living, will bow their knee and confess God and Jesus as the King. That's going to happen. King Jesus will be honored by every Person everywhere and by everything in all creation. I remember the passage that says if you keep quiet the rocks will cry out. Both those that follow him will recognize and honor him and those who have refused him will recognize and honor him. But until that day comes Jesus won't assert his authority over you He wants to pursue a relationship with you. See, Jesus had done everything that he could to prepare Mary for this moment in time. But because she couldn't fathom the death of the king, she couldn't see the obvious. That Jesus died in order to defeat death by coming back to life. And now Jesus has returned just like he promised. But he doesn't find faith and congratulations. He doesn't find the disciples waiting at the tomb, waiting to cheer him on and excited about what's going to come. Instead, he returns to fear and confusion. The disciples are hiding. They don't know what's going on. They're afraid that the Romans are going to kill them like they're going to kill everybody. Some people are saying we've seen him and he's gone and he's been stolen and all of these things. There's confusion everywhere and this is what Jesus comes back to. There's a lot of fear and confusion in our world right now, isn't there? Just like Mary as she cried at the tomb... I think a lot of us feel like Jesus has abandoned us as well. And maybe, maybe not even us personally. Maybe we would say Jesus maybe has abandoned our nation. And so Jesus asked you and me, I think the same question he asked Mary. What or who are you looking for? See, if you're looking for a dead guy in a tomb, you won't find him. Scientists and atheists and skeptics and authorities and even the religious people have been looking for that body for more than 2,000 years, and no one has found it because there is no dead body. There is, however, a living king. A living king whose kingdom came when he was born, was inaugurated when he was baptized, and was forever established when he conquered death and came out of that tomb. Some of you may have come today because this is just your habit. Every Easter you were raised to go to church. But you didn't come today looking for a a king to follow. You maybe just came looking for a, a fix. You know, just enough Jesus to kind of get you through until next year. Some of you may have come today because you were forced to come by a parent, a, a mom or, or dad, a spouse, or maybe a, a family member. You, you know, I've been around those families. That like, look, if you're going to come to my house for Easter dinner, you're going to go to church with me first. <laughs> and I get it. And I want you to know this morning that if one of those reasons is the reasons you're here, that's okay with us. We're glad you're here anyway. But maybe you did come this morning looking for a savior of of sorts. Some of you may have come today because you were looking for a genie in the Bible and, and you've heard that. That, look, if, if you just um, follow Jesus, if you just uh, uh, confess Jesus, if you just read your Bible once in a, a while, well, then Jesus is going to pop into your life and he's going to make sure everything is okay and um, he's going to help you out of whatever jam you might be in. Maybe you came today looking for a, a life coach of sorts. Somebody who will give you the tools that you need to to live your best life but not really expect you to deal with the selfish or greedy feelings that motivate you for that best life. Look, if you're looking for anything but the living king of God's kingdom, like Mary, you won't find him. But if you're looking for a king who died in your place, and rose as your defender, who invites you into a relationship with a father where you can live your real life through the Holy Spirit's power as you daily surrender to the king's reign and wait for his return, then he's there, and he's calling your name. Your response then is to see Jesus for who he is and not what you think he should be. He's the king but he's not like any other king. He's the only king in history who gave himself up for his subjects. He knew that his death was the only way for you and I to be truly free even though we would also be free to reject him. And so the story of Mary teaches us that if you don't see Jesus for who he is, you'll miss him when he comes. And that wasn't just true for Mary. (laughs) That's true for us. Because he is coming back, and if we don't see Jesus for who he is, We'll miss him when he comes, and our knees will bow, and our tongues will confess, but we might be on the other side of that scenario. Today, our hope and prayer is that, like Mary over 2,000 years ago, you've seen Jesus the King for yourself. And more than that, that that you want to follow him without excuse or condition for the rest of your life. And so if that's you today, we'd love to know about it. So you can help us fulfill our mission and God's to help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him. And we do that by what the scripture says, by teaching you to live a life of obedience just like Jesus lived. If you're ready to surrender to Jesus the King, you can let us know at reallifecc.us forward slash I'm ready. Or if you're in person here this morning, you can stop by the connection hub at the back of the auditorium. Now, if you're here today and you're not ready to surrender to the King, then our prayer is that um, every day, God would make himself available and known to you, that he would call your name and that you would see him and that your eyes would be open and you would respond. And if we can be of any help to you in that process and on that journey to Jesus, we want to help you. So please reach out. You can email us at hello at reallifecc.us or if you just have more questions, you want more information, somebody to talk with, go back to the Connection Hub at the end of the service. Jesus paid for your sin on the cross. And he took your place in the tomb. And then he rose to life as your promise. And so your sin no longer separates you from the Savior. And death no longer has to be your destination. Because of Jesus, you can live a life of purpose as his disciple, making present the kingdom of God to those around you, just like Jesus did. So regardless of who you're looking for today, we hope that you found Jesus, because he's the only one who loved you to death. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and we thank you most especially for two things, that he died in our place on the cross He took our pain, he took our burden, he nailed it to the tree. And secondly, that the tomb was empty when the stone was rolled away. God, without the cross and without the empty coffin, we don't have life. We certainly don't have real life in you. And so we thank you for Jesus' willingness to make present the kingdom of God in and through his life by being obedient to you, to your plan, and your purpose for his life. God, would we follow in his steps. And and I pray for those here and for those watching and for those who might watch um, months or days or years down the road, that they would see you clearly and want to give their lives, surrender their lives to you. God, we worship you, and we honor you today because of your great love shown to us very personally through your son, Jesus. We pray that you continue to be with us in his name. Amen. I want to let you know just a couple things. Next Sunday, I think... uh, Maybe there's another slide, Julie. Boom. Next Sunday, we're going to wrap up our uh, questions from Jesus. There we go. (laughs) We're going to wrap up our questions from Jesus series uh, with a question I actually mentioned earlier in the message where Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And so we'll be back at our regular time next week uh, at 10 a.m. right here at the Civic Center and online. We'd love to have you back in person or joining us Uh, virtually as we learn to look more like Jesus every day. Second thing, number two, I want you to pay attention, those of you who come all the time, that it is two minutes until 10. I win. (laughs) You didn't think I could do it, but we did it. Boom. Okay. The reason that we're out in in an hour um, is that uh, the Easter egg hunt in East Park is going to happen very, very quickly. So if you have children this morning, uh, or you just want to watch and take in the festivities, grab your kids and get over to uh, East Park as soon as you can. We'll have three different age group categories. There's a bunch of awesome prizes that can be um, won, and so we hope that you'll join us, and we hope to join us uh next Sunday as well. Hey, thanks for being here. Happy Easter. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today And want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas, at the Civic Center, 201 East Central, on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.